So I've been away for three weeks, two of them on leave, one of them because of illness wasn't COVID, but it's great to be back. And um, it's, I've really missed you all, and I'm sure some of you are feeling the same as we get to be together this morning. Uh, but as we kick off, I want to make a, a warm welcome, particularly to those of us who are joining us for the first time. And that doesn't mean you're joining us for a live service after a year or so. So if you're genuinely here, you've been invited by a friend, you've heard about us online, or you're just here because maybe you've come for the last two weeks. Oh, thank you, John. He's a real multitasker, this guy. He gets, uh, he gets stuff done. <laughs> you got an applause, John. I haven't gotten that yet. <laughs> but um, So I really just want to welcome you to our service this morning. We hope that you feel part of the family. Uh, we're going to be serving coffee and tea after the service, which is fantastic. So please stick around. We'll do it with the COVID-sensitive way. Don't worry. But uh, we really just want to enjoy our times together. So I've got a few announcements to bring to your attention. The one is we've shifted our services up a little bit because we preached a series on Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And if you want to go read it, I'd encourage you to do so. And we were asking ourselves this one question. If someone had to come into our church and ask, what are these people about, what would they say? And we want to show our love for Jesus in four ways when we gather. The first is we want to be devoted to the apostles' teaching. And so you're going to hear the word preached a bit earlier than usual. We're going to have a response time because we want to respond to what Jesus is going to say. He wants to speak to you personally this morning. I hope you're ready. It's the most exciting thing that can happen is Christ speaks. And then also, we want to be devoted to fellowship. And so you'll notice the kiddies. Can the kiddies just give me a scream out here? Say, hey, where are the kids here in the service? There we go. Um, some of them are going to scream at the wrong time. That's okay. Babies, you're welcome too. <laughs> but I just want to uh, remind you that so much of our journey in this Christian life is caught, not taught, Right? So parents, we want to make this an opportunity for you to bring your child into your worship. When there are going to be opportunities in the weeks ahead to do communion together, to watch baptisms. We want to make you the primary person that feeds into your child's faith. And so enjoy this time. It's going to be a bit messy for the first 20 minutes. Doesn't matter. It changed my life. My parents took me everywhere, and I'm so grateful for it. We want to be a fellowship that doesn't neglect any age group. We also want to be devoted to the breaking of bread. And so you'll see in Easter, we're going to be breaking bread a lot just enjoying what it means to have Christ as our center as a church. But then also, we want to be devoted to the prayers. And so you'll notice, once I've just uh, done this hosting announcement, we're going to turn our hearts to a God who hears prayer. And if you're here for the first time, I want you just to relax. There's no pressure to do anything of what people are doing around you. But we do want you to realize that we believe in a God who hears prayer and answers it. And so we're going to spend a moment praying. And so that's why we've shaken things up a bit, and I hope that it's meaningful for you. Uh, we've also been shaking up our staff. So as you know, our beloved Dan and Kerry, after tears and weeping, are leaving at the end of June. <laughs> but we are uh, confident that it's in the Lord uh, and that it's the right time for them and a time for us as a church to re-navigate our staff. And so we are working hard as an eldership. We are getting our new strategy together. We'll bring updates on that in the, the days ahead. But um, in talking about what we're doing to serve you well as a staff, we also believe every person in the church is called to serve. I just want to drop the thought, don't wait for COVID to be over. We don't know how long it's going to be here for, right? So I just want to stir you. If you can make a cup of coffee for Jesus and you love him, uh, where are the hospitality ladies? They were awesome. Come on, stand, Wendy. Where's, where's Renee? Making coffee. She needs help. <laughs> well, <laughs> so I just want to say, if you would love to, as a family, if you've got kids that are, uh, can, can actually help you, it's my dream that my children do it with me one day. But please sign up. We need people on visuals. If you're sound uh, savvy, you have some musical ability and are willing to learn, 
Uh, won't you just chat? Uh, can I sign up to carry up to the service at the info center or chat to Renee? Come on, Renee. Let's give these ladies a round of applause. They're amazing. And if you want a first line account of what it means to be a blessing, you can touch Renee. She does it. And Wendy with the most amazing hearts. Okay, so hospitality team. Guys, we need you to serve. We don't want to wait for this thing to pass for us to be a blessing to each other. So let's give ourselves to it. And uh, then lastly, we are going to move into a time now where we're going to particularly give our hearts to what we feel as an eldership Jesus is saying to us as a church. Now, if you remember, we had five days of prayer and a day of fasting. And at the outcome of that, on that Sunday, and subsequently, people have been sharing words about sharing faith. And we really believe God is stirring us, SBC, to tell other people of how great Jesus is to us, personally. And I'm so excited. In the prayer meeting this morning before the service, I just sense God is stirring hearts. And uh, we're going to join with Him this morning in prayer. But before I do, I'm going to ask Bryce and Mark, won't you come up? Uh, I'm I just want to share a little bit of what's happening in the church around this area of sharing our faith. And so I'm going to ask, Bryce, do you want to kick us off just what's been happening in the youth ministry and in your own heart around evangelism? Cool. Good morning, church. My name's Bryce. Um, and it's just always such a beautiful thing to see the gospel moving from life to life and transforming those lives as, as it touches each one. And in the youth ministry, we've seen this among our teenagers. They have been coming to the Midweek Connect groups and really been changed and challenged by the gospel, so much so that they're actually reaching out to their friends and drawing them into these Midweek groups as well. And we've even seen some of the guys where they've gone off, tried to speak to one of their friends, that person's turned them down, and he said, okay, that's fine, I'll just invite another person. And that's an awesome evangelism culture that we want to start to tear at the church, and we're hoping that it would spread to not only this church in the, the main congregation, but also to the surrounding churches in the area. And another thing that we've started recently is we've started printing tracts. So it's a short little tract like that. It's called the 60-second gospel. It is very easy to read and to give off to your friends. Lindiwe, I saw, already grabbed about five at the front hey, there. And you have the, the privilege and the opportunity of sharing your faith in a way that's really easy, really unobtrusive. Somebody can read this in their own time. And there are also little scriptural references down the side. So you, they can go and they can look more into it if they'd like to. You also have the fun opportunity of going shopping. And as the cashier gives you the receipt, you give them a gospel tract and you see a surprised look on their face. But really, these will be in the info center. They're small. They can fit easily into your pocket. Uh, so after the service, if you guys could just go to the info center, grab as many as you feel you're able to distribute. And I'll try and make sure that there are more next week in case you guys would like any as a follow-up. Awesome. Thanks, Bryce. I think it's hilarious that I stand on this step and I still don't think I'm as tall as Bryce. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I've been very privileged. I'm attending two small groups at the moment, uh, my own one, and uh, there's another small group I'm leading um, uh, just while uh, Joy Fetting is rec in recovery. And uh, it's been amazing for me to see in the last month or two we're trying at every meeting to encourage one another to reach out to people around us. And I've seen uh, five people, two in one group and three in the other, in just in the last month, think about someone that God's laid on their heart and then try and go and, you know, humbly do their best to just share faith. And even I had this opportunity yesterday. My group's been praying for weeks for me to be able to meet with my brother. That sounds like it should be easier 
than it is, but when you understand difficult family dynamics, you might realize that sometimes that's the furthest you've got to go. And uh, it's been so difficult to get a meeting with him. We've prayed so much about it. And in the last week, uh, the favor was he finally responded to my messages. <laughs> uh, we finally were able to organize a time to get together. And then yesterday, it was a breakthrough meeting. Um, he, it was the most open he's been to me and building a relationship with me in, in years. And I know it's in answer to prayer. So I just want to encourage you. God is on the move. And we're seeing that in our small group ministries. So I know I'm standing with you and how difficult it is to share faith. I, I'm bold in the pulpit, but uh, maybe a lot quieter in person. But I just sense some of us have been praying for people for a long period of time. Some of us have even got new colleagues. And I just want to nudge you this morning as I'm being nudged to go, hey, we've got an amazing gift to offer in Jesus, don't we? And uh, I've just felt in my heart to encourage you this morning as we're going to stand and pray in just a moment that the cost of maybe being looked at a bit differently or maybe feeling like, oh, could this relationship change, which often has a lot better outcome than what we think, is not nearly the worth of what we're holding out to a person and what God can do when we faithfully share the good news of Jesus. Amen. So I'm going to ask you all to stand. Where's where you are? Kids, this means you, hey? God can talk to you too. So we're going to ask Jesus now. We're going to ask him to put a friend, a family member, you don't, you're not working yet. A schoolmate or a colleague for us older people. I'm going to give you just a few seconds. And I'm trusting, we've prayed this morning for you, that the Lord's going to drop a name on your heart and I want you to grab hold of it, all right? So let's just take a moment and I'm, we're going to, I'm going to pray for you that the Lord is going to drop a name. Let's just be quiet for a moment. Lord, show us who the people are around us that you're wanting us to have the courage to share Jesus with this morning. Okay, now we are going to make it one step easier for you. We are having an Easter service coming up where it is going to be an outward focus. It's called a Hope Shared. And what I'm going to do with my sense of the people on my heart is I'm going to invite them to the service. Um, but that's me in terms and as a church. But personally this week, I want to encourage you to share your story. You don't have to do theology. You can tell them what Jesus means to you and what he's done. And so let's take the next minutes. We're going to pray whether you are comfortable out loud, whether you're on your own, you can just be quiet. It is up to you. We want you to feel comfortable this morning to talk to God. I want you to pray for the names that came onto hearts this morning and pray that the Lord would soften their hearts. We're going to pray that, uh, you'd give, that God would give us boldness and the words to say. Um, and uh, we're going to give our, our prayer to the Easter service as well, that there would be salvations and courage to invite. Okay, so those are the things. We're going to pray our best prayer for the next 30 seconds to a minute. Pray for hearts to be open, those names that God put on hearts here, for courage and for God to move in our Easter services. All right, so out loud with your person that you came with on your own. If you're here and you're not really sure where you are with God, your prayer is God speak to me this morning, okay? So let's give our best prayer for the next 30 to 60 minutes. All right. Seconds, <laughs> not 60. Lord, we're thankful that you are a God who speaks to us. You're going to speak to us now through your word. We're excited to hear. You're going to speak to the kids as they go now off to hear about your amazing scriptures, Lord, and to hear about you, Jesus. We're praying, would you seal this time, Lord, as, as we hear your word, would you awaken our hearts to it? But also, you've been speaking already. And we pray, Lord, that the names that you put on our hearts and 
the opportunities that you're going to present this week that we're trusting you for. We pray, Lord, that you wouldn't let us go. That every day you would just remind us of what's an offer to us. Because, Lord, everyone who's come to Christ has heard of Jesus through another. And we're thankful for this opportunity to be that same blessing that someone was to us. Amen? Amen. All right. Dane, is my sound good? All right. Why don't you open up your Bibles? It'll be on the screen too. To 2 Peter. Can you believe it? We are wrapping up this book. Kitties, enjoy your time. You're going to head off uh, with your next-gen workers. If you've got a young kid that is getting a bit restless, we have served you. There's the live feed room. Please go and enjoy it. You'll see me on screen. You'll hear the sound. There's toys for them. So just make yourself at home. Um, we, we want you to feel that you are able to also partner and participate in the service. And so please be aware of that. Okay. So I'm going to wrap up this morning. Can you believe what has been a 16-week journey through Second Peter? And I'm going to read from 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 14. Okay, it should be up on the screen. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 14. And I'm reading, reading from the English Standard Version. Therefore, beloved, since you're waiting for these things, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do the other scriptures. You therefore, beloved, Knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. All right. My first point this morning comes from the very last sentence that is written to this audience of Peter. Now, I want you to think about this. Uh, it's not a pleasant thought, but it's a, a poignant thought. It's an important thought. When last did you have a deathbed experience where you stood next to somebody who was going to hopefully be with Jesus? They are saying the things that they want you to remember, not so. Very important. And we get to the heart of what Peter has wanted us to grasp the whole 16 weeks. So if you've missed the last 15 weeks, hopefully this one will be the, the one that you walk away with as being the most profound for you. And it comes through in his last words. You must remember he's about to be crucified upside down. I think he was penning it personally. Maybe somebody was recording it, but I'm imagining him writing this off on the last full stop was the last communication Peter was going to have to the churches that he loved. And he writes this. He says in verse 18, My beloved, my brothers and sisters in Christ, those who are the bride of Jesus, one day you're going to go see him face to face. This is what I want you to know after all my years of ministry. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. There's his goodbye. Amen. And friends, today... Peter is writing with the purpose of getting you and me to change 
This is the essence of what the gospel does. It brings change. What is Jesus interested in in your life? Is he wants to change you into what? Into somebody who follows him and looks like him. And your purpose as a human being in this world is to reflect the image of the God who made you. It's the most wonderful thing. Some of you are trying to work out your careers and work out your marriages and work out what am I here for. Oh, the answer's already there in terms of big picture. What Christ wants for you is to transform, is to change. And it comes through this beautiful word, grow. Grow. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so today, friends, what I'm going to be probing from the book of Peter is this. Are we growing are we developing one of the most exciting things of having a little boy called Elijah? And, and, and I remember growing up, is remember when your mom used to line you up against the wall and used to do the little uh, pencil mark and say, you're so many meters this year. And then you, you go again next year and then you're always worried because your sister's beating you or your brother's. And we have this way of comparing, don't we? It's terrible. But it's exciting. You expect to grow. Well, some of us are a bit shorter than others. But the point is this. That's life. The essence of life of Jesus in you is that he's changing you, is that you're becoming a different person. You're getting higher and higher in your likeness and experience of the things of God. And this is what God's heart is for you. And the reason why we must ask the question as Peter's wanting us to reflect on this morning is, are we growing? Are we being transformed? You know, I had this picture. Who of you have watched the uh, I wouldn't recommend it for kids yet, but or played with those toys called Transformers. You remember? You know, you start off with the car, and then it was more like the 80s and early 90s. Yeah, you see them? Yeah, yeah. Transformers. And they start off as a car. They're the same matter. They're the same person. And then suddenly they're this robot, and then they become this airplane. And I always used to covet friends because the wealthy kids had them. We didn't have them growing up. But the point is this is that's what Jesus wants you. He takes you when he saves you, and he starts to work. And was this matter this morning very important for you? And for me, is because Peter understands that as Christians and friends, I cannot change this for you. I wish it sometimes was different, but it's not. Is the moment you came to faith in Jesus, is Christ attached his reputation to you. You become a living picture of what Christ tastes and looks like and sounds like. Imperfectly granted, but growing. And when Paul, when Peter attaches that first part of that last sentence, he writes, grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. What does he say? To him be the glory, both now and forever, to the day of eternity. Our transformation is linked to the name of Jesus. And friends, I want to call us out of a postmodern culture which says, I exist for me. Everything is for me. Everything's created for me. No, no. Everything's created for this God and his son, Jesus. And you've been bought by his blood. And as a Christian, you live for him. And people are looking at you and they are saying, wow, look what God can do with a weak, silly life is the way you live and are being changed from one degree of glory to the next is reflecting the God who saved you. We have to take that seriously. And can I say to you this morning, why do I believe this Christian faith works? Because it's changed me. It's changed me. Anybody here looking in and saying, you know, I've been invited this morning and I, I can sense this person's brought me to church. Friends, the greatest thing I can tell you this morning, if that's you and you're looking at the claims of Jesus, they're not claims, they're true. You're sitting in a group of imperfect people, yes, 
but people who have discovered that this person, Jesus, is real. Amen? He hears prayers. He answers you. He sees you. He's so involved in you. And He changes you. It's the most exciting thing. And what the world is looking for, SBC, is not a lot of knowledge. They want to know, does this thing work? There's so many claims out there. The postmodern culture is so skeptical. What they want to know is this. Does this work? And friends, the gospel is not afraid of that question. You are in a room of people far from perfect, but man, we know we're not what we ought to be. We know not, we're not yet what we hope to be, but praise the Lord, we're not what we once were. And that's the glory of this gospel. And this is the heart of Second Peter, is he's calling you to grow, to grow. And this whole book, if you had to ask me after summarizing and reading it multiple times, is his only objective is to address anything that will help you to grow or warn you or guard against things that will stop you from growing and becoming more like Jesus. And so this morning, I am going to be quite brief in the journey because I want to land with a test for us this morning, which I think is right and hopefully an encouragement or an awakening moment for you this morning. But I want you to remind, I want to remind you, as we got to chapter 3 this morning, Peter says some profound things, and I just feel that part of the problem of COVID, can we just be honest here, Christians don't have it all together, okay? And part of the problem that we are facing as a church and as a people is discouragement. And some of us have looked to other things for comfort this morning. Maybe you've looked to your phones, you've looked to other relationships, you've looked to all sorts of things, and I I read at the moment of, 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 of not only humanity, but of the church, is that there's discouragement. And maybe even when I ask the question to you this morning, have you grown? You're looking at your life saying, oh, I don't know if I can answer it in a way which I would get the gold star like my, my daughter loves, right? It's okay. Because you see, where Peter starts is where you must always start and never leave. is to realize you are saved because God did something for you first. It's the most wonderful thing. You could not prove anything. In actual fact, you proved that you could not get what he wanted to give you, Jesus. You proved the fact that you were weak and unable to live out a life he was calling to. The very point of your encouragement in Christ was the moment when God came to you and said, oh, you need a lot of help, right? You need a lot of help in this. You are quite weak and you're missing it. And he comes to you by grace and in his mercy looks upon this person who's not doing a very good job at all. And he says, I want you. And he draws you to himself. He puts his spirit in you. He gives you Christ by grace. You're saved by grace. It's the most wonderful thing this morning. You are a child of God by the goodness and by the verdict of a God who knew what you were like before you even came to salvation. And this morning, Peter says, guys, don't forget, it doesn't matter how big your faith is or how little. The fact that you have faith means this, is that you have the same faith as the great men that we read in Scripture, these apostles. It doesn't matter. It might be a little flicker right now. It might be a burgeoning waterfall. If you've got faith, it qualifies you to enter into all of God's help, all of God's provision, all of God's mercy. Right now in heaven, if you are a Christian, you put your faith in the blood of Jesus, you are qualified to make big asks, even if you don't deserve it. It's amazing. It's the only thing that will keep you rejoicing. And friends, I just want to roll back a little bit. You know, 
We are slow to enjoy Jesus because we're not quite sure if He really is willing to give us so much at so little cost. He is. And the thing that Jesus has been speaking about from Second Peter is this, is we've got a salvation that has joy. Because if you need to recover, Christ's there. You might need some help or provision. Christ's there. Peter says, His divine power, God's heart for you and His hand towards you is giving you everything you need for life and godliness. What is there in front of you this morning? What has COVID introduced into your lives? What challenge is there? Is it bigger than God and His promise to be what he, you need to be in order for you to fulfill His purpose? No. Everything you need as a Christian is being offered to you. But it's going to come through a close relationship with Jesus. Is Jesus will not give you what you need without himself. And so this morning, Peter will not let us get off the hook. He calls us to faith. He says, guys, you need to remember that you have what you need to live out this life by nature of your salvation. The other thing he says is, but you're going to have to partner with it. So for some of us, like myself, I forget actually God is taking responsibility for things in my life that I have got no control over. But then he asks me to say, in the light of what he's giving me, I take responsibility for what I do have control over. And the two must be together. And I'm worried that we've got a dichotomy. We've got a, two different kinds of Christians. The one is the one that's enjoying all of the, the fruits of grace, but does nothing with it. And the other one is the one who forgets that they've got all of these things by grace and is sweating and straining, forgetting that God is so willing to give it. Now, which are you this morning? Because Peter says this, you need to be both. You need to remember what God has done for you, and then you must start doing things for God. And it's not controlling the world, my friend. It is offering up yourself through seven qualities. And I want to ask you, how are you doing in them this morning? There's determination. We must add to our faith determination, self-knowledge, self-control, endurance, godliness, brotherly and sisterly affection and love. There are things that we must add to our faith in order to get it working. And if you are passive this morning, you will be a miserable Christian because you will never grow. I'll also say this, the story of my life is you'll be a miserable Christian if you don't realize you're growing off God's grace. And this is the beauty of Peter. Where are you this morning? Which category do you fall into? You must be both, my friends, both. Because there's a consequence, Peter says, for not being careful to add to your faith these various aspects, these qualities. And Peter goes on, this idea of talking about this reward Guys, I'm going to land this book with this understanding of what is to come being the thing that shapes our now. I want to remind you, time is running fast. And how you choose to live your life, it has eternal consequences. And friends, today, Peter starts to talk about this wonderful thing of God rewarding everything that he's done for Jesus. What will stand on the day of his second coming? That's where Peter wraps up chapter 1 is everything that is done for the name of Christ will stand. Your business won't. Your wardrobe won't. Your beautiful cosmetics won't. Your bank balance won't. Your car won't. Everything in this life that is not Christ and done for Jesus is passing away. And so Peter starts to say, guys, are you living like that? Are you thinking like that? Are you making your decisions like that? Because if you do, you'll never be the same. You will grow. But he said, 
we have to pay attention in chapter 2 to the fact that this second coming of Jesus was being attacked by false teachers. And I want to remind you this morning, we are to be alert. Peter says just before the end of verse 18, at the end of chapter 3, the last verse of, the, of this book, he says, Guys, we want you to know that you need to take care that you don't give yourselves to teachings by these lawless people because what will happen is this. It says, You therefore, beloved, knowing this before, and take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. And we took four weeks or more to preach about what is out there at the moment. Friends, we have YouTube, we have Facebook, we have all sorts of opportunity here, people who have claims to a pulpit in a ministry. And I want to call you again as one of your elders today. You must be discerning. You must be discerning. You must ask questions about what this person is saying and where it's coming from. If you do not, you will lose your own stability and it will damage you. It will damage your future prospects and it will damage your experience of Jesus. Now, truth is to be taken seriously, right? Because my second point is this. Truth must translate into change. Peter says in verse 14, which was the start of our text this morning, he says, Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, what he's talking about, since you're waiting for the second coming of Jesus, and you're waiting for this Christ to come and usher in a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells, where sin is going to be judged and righteousness is going to be rewarded, where God is going to put right everything in his universe, in his cosmos, this day that is coming. You're waiting for it, Christian. You need to be aware of it. You need to be ready for it. Uh, it says, what must we do in the light of this? It says, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation. Is that all of Peter's teaching ultimately must translate into change? Now, I want to do a little test with us this morning. I want to ask you, maybe you're here for the first time, you can apply it in a bit of a different way, but I want to ask some of us here who've been tracking for 16 weeks, or maybe the last four weeks, we've spent how many weeks, Joe? Four weeks on the second coming of Jesus? This is the fourth week, three weeks. I want to ask you the question this morning. Are you growing? And I'm going to help you to answer some questions as to whether or not you are. You see, the thing about Scripture is this. Is none of it's irrelevant. You know, one of the things I hated about school was having to study things that had no relevance to my life. Now, so you know what the pits was for me? It was biology having to learn the reproductive cycle of the earthworm. I'll never forget that. I sat there going, it was difficult too. What is the point of this? But you see, when you open up the Bible, there's always a point. And the thing I want to stress this morning is, truth is not just to be known. It's to be applied. You say, yes, yes, I know that, Matthew. I've heard about that. I want to say, have you? Because I want to let you into what God's doing into my own heart. And I want to help you see if Second Peter... And your journey with Jesus has been useful to you over however long you've been saved. You see, what Peter says here is very powerful. He says, and I'm going to use as my, my little sheet this morning to ask the questions which you can answer, is the second coming of Jesus. We've had it for three weeks now. Three weeks. That's quite a long time to be thinking about. Trust me, Joey and, and Mark did all they could to take it from the different angles. And I want to ask you, 
Has your life changed in the light of you being reminded of Christ's coming at any moment? Has it made any difference to your life? Because Peter says at the end of this letter, he says, Therefore, in the light of this glorious Jesus coming, I've got to respond. I've got to apply. And he's not talking about doing actually very much. He's actually saying you need to be found to be diligent. It changes the way that you orientate your life, the way you posture your life, what you're giving your time to. Is he says, there's got to be an outworking. Be diligent, therefore, as you wait for these things, the heavens and the earth, the new heavens and the earth in which righteousness dwells. Be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. What he's saying is this is, there's a therefore, there's an outworking to this coming of Jesus. And the first thing I want to ask you is, if you know about this truth of Christ's coming, it will translate into change. And this is my first question I want to ask you. If you know that Christ can come at any moment, has it changed how serious you are about your faith? That's a very good question. Are you diligent? That's the first word he uses. Can you see yourself saying, this is the biggest thing I must give my life to you. This is the thing that must dominate my mind. Not if that person likes me or not. Not if I've lost a few weights. Okay, maybe some of us wanted to lose the COVID pounds. It doesn't, yeah. But I'm saying the thing that dominates your, your mind is this. Is this is the thing that's going to be examined and going to be the most important that's going to stand forever. And I ask you this morning, have you given yourself in any way, I'm not asking for a perfection, I'm asking for an increase. Can you say, if you had to stand up against this wall and measure four weeks ago, Maybe let's go 16 weeks ago. Can you see yourself go, I'm a bit higher. I'm a bit taller. I can see I'm more diligent. That's the first thing I want to ask you. Are you taking your faith more seriously? Are you giving yourself to this faith as the most important thing in your life? Your relationship to Jesus being the most important thing. The second thing that I want to ask you today is, has it changed your attitude towards sin? Has it caused you to take sin more seriously? Because friends, what's going to be judged on that day and what's going to be burnt up and cause loss, not loss of your salvation if you're in Christ, but loss of reward, loss of being able to bring glory to Jesus, loss of being able to translate this great gift of his salvation into a glorious offering of saying, Lord, what you have done in me, Lord, you, there's going to be a loss. If judgment is going to come upon sin, has it changed the way you relate to it? In your thought life, in your actions, in your speech, are you more careful to be pleasing to Him? I'll tell you into a little secret of what God's been probing my heart. And let me tell you, I'm in the ring with you 100% this morning. Luke chapter 11 has, and Luke chapter 8 has blasted my, my, my boat out of the water. Jesus says, don't you know? What's done in secret is going to be brought to light. What you've said and whispered in secret, it's going to be announced from the rooftops. Unforgiven sin, grudges, things that we are refusing to deal with. Oh man, this is what the second coming is to give us, is a sense of urgency around sin, because Christ could rock up at any time, and when he rocks up, Matt, what's he going to find me doing? What's he going to find me running after? 
I want a good report. And let me tell you, this is so close to my heart this morning, and I hope it's close to yours. The right response to ask, am I growing in response to this truth and this gospel? Is, is it changing my attitude towards the thing that Jesus doesn't like? I ask you this morning, friends, nothing is hidden from the gaze of God. Now, that doesn't mean we live under a condemnation. It means we live under carefulness. That we are quick to put right where we have hurt and done wrong. We are quick to right the attitudes of our heart. When we sin, we get up quicker. We reduce the gap between conviction and repentance. We come to this place as Christians where we go. We're not going to give ourselves to stuff that's not going to get commendation from Jesus. Because first of all, we might only enjoy it for a few seconds. But secondly, it's going to lead to no gain. That's the second is. The first is your diligence. The second is your attitude to sin. The third is this. And that's that attitude of sin is, sorry, I forgot to point you to you, to be diligent, to be found without spot or blemish. The second coming calls us to a high degree of godliness. That's the point. The third is this is, here's another test point. Has this meditating on the second coming of Jesus increased your peace? Diligence, attitude to sin, peace. Do you know what? God's speaking to me about is saying, Matthew, why are you flapping so much when you know how this is going to end? You know what that's like? The world. Have you, have you listened to the latest economists? Have you listened to the latest health predictions? Oh my goodness. Nobody knows what's going on, right? Everybody's in the space of saying, where's this going to go? It was so funny. I went to a wedding um, last night and everybody has this joke of going, we keep talking about when this is going to end, but then everyone goes, well, when will it end? How is it going to end? And all of us around the table are trying to grapple with what's the outcome of this. And let me tell you one thing. We must get great peace of knowing where this is going to land ultimately. Friends, it's going to land in the hands of Jesus. And let me tell you what, it's going to be way better than it is now. I hope you realize, who knows? I mean, I don't mean this insensitively, but God might call you home tonight and let me tell you what he's calling you to. It's the best thing ever. You know, in the funeral... I have this tension. It happened to my gran. She died from complications at the end of last year while well, my adopted gran. She was struggling with dementia. And there I had to take her funeral. And knowing the amazing woman, she, in the Lord, but also just as a leader, and as a, she was, and going, you know what? I'm in two minds here. I'm in such peace because she's got a resurrection body and she's partying with Jesus. She's having the most wonderful time of her life. And she's saying, my boy, stop fussing so much. I see those tears. It's wonderful. But it's not going to be long before you're going to come and join me. Friends, as Christians, the second coming of Jesus means, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be 50 years time. It could be tomorrow. But what we do know is whatever mess there is right now, it's going to be sorted out. And the sorted out version is going to be the best thing ever. Amen? That's what you must do. I'll tell you more things about the peace of the second coming. Are you applying this truth? Does, if, it's, if it's working in your life, it leads to peace because of this. How many of you have had misunderstandings in your life that you have not been able to be put right? No matter how much you've tried to say, explain and say, sorry, the person still hates your guts. Let me tell you the wonderful thing about heaven is if that person is a believer, and let me tell you, it hurts to say it, but it happens. Believers can argue and never be able to find reconciliation this side of the world. But let me tell you what's on the other side is perfect harmony and reconciliation and peace. There'll be justice. Any of you feel injustice or you've had injustice done against you, let me tell you one thing you can cover it yourself with. 
is that the Lord is just and there's going to be no sin that he's going to be gotten away with. He's going to put all things right, either in Christ or a public vindication of your name. If you know your heart is right before God and your hands are clean, let me tell you, you might not get it this side of the world, but keep to your cleanness of heart because on the other side it will be vindicated. There will be justice. What peace? You can let things go. You can let unforgiveness go. You can let all of these grudges that hurt us and harm us and harm the people around us. We can let it go because justice is coming and we can forgive and trust God to be fair. Rest is coming. How many of you are tired? It was fascinating. I was speaking to you. A friend this morning at the service is saying, well, how much COVID is just exhausting everybody. Are you feeling tired? <laughs> yeah. Rest is coming. How about this healing? Any of you struggling with health? We pray for healing now, but let me tell you now, it's not going to last forever. There's going to, become, there's going to come a new body. Peace. Peace. Ultimately, what does it mean? The second coming means every single trial in this life has a full stop. It does not matter how severe it is. It doesn't matter how devastating it can be. It doesn't matter how painful it is. You can comfort yourself with this peace of knowing it is not going to last forever. There's going to come a time and a space sooner maybe than we think where we are going to enjoy rest and peace and reconciliation with the God who loves and saves us. Amen. Amen. Thank you. He's a preacher's kid. Friends, I just want to say, can we calm down for a moment? Hear my heart. Can we just calm down? The Lord knows how to lead us home. It's the most wonderful thing. You've got a shepherd whose compass is always correct. You can rest. And he might be coming to take you by the hand sooner than you think. What's the last test today? Well, friends, it is, oh, and I, oh, it is this it's being spurred on to evangelism. That's a big word. I don't really like it because it sounds like only Billy Graham can do it, right? <laughs> it's telling people your story of what Jesus has done for you. My mom, as a little boy, told me in very simple terms what Christ had done for her. And my mom, she's a very gentle person. It came through her with a little Anglican book leading her through a prayer to find Christ. My wife, it was through Gideon's. Someone came to her school. Her family is not yet a church-going family. Story after story of how people found the goodness of God in Christ. And you've got one. And this morning, the thing that is gripping my heart and is pinning me down is this reality of there is not inevitable or infinite time. Do you know that the person that you work next to, even if they're irritating, God has put you there. He has so arranged your life. That the boy or the girl you've got as a son has been handpicked for you. That you get to enjoy having a certain circle of family. You don't get to choose your family, but let me tell you, God puts you there. You get to have colleagues and friends and people that you get to... I go to this fantastic hairdresser. I don't want to go to anybody else. We've got... God has given me this hairdresser. I know he has. I need to go for another haircut. I don't know, but uh, it's coming up soon. But the point is this, do you realize 
that you are being given by God as a gift to those around you. And they're there for purpose. My parents have gone on a little tour because my dad's retired. And I've noticed what they are doing more and more as they're getting older. And I can sense it in me too. Is they're realizing the time to tell people about Jesus is much shorter. And they've got a little strategy of how they do it. My mom tends to open up the heart and my dad tends to go for the bullseye. <laughs> but the point is this. What they're talking about when they come back from their, their, their camping experiences last week. They're telling us they've got to share Jesus with this person and, this, and with family members. Didn't go necessarily well. But there was a second time. I'm telling you, people cope more than what we realize when we tell them about our story in Jesus. Because really, can I just say today, it is all about Him. Do you want to know what is the most exciting thing in this life? Is to realize Jesus is in everything. He's interested in everything. He's fascinated and working in everything. And what Peter lands on is this, is all of this change. I've analyzed it of those four things. Can you see growth? That's what he wants. Truth, it's good to understand. We must, but we must apply it. And the second coming is a perfect example. Can I see diligence? Can I see this increase in my attitude and, and carefulness around sin? Can I see my heart for those that are lost growing and my, my desire to repent and seeing that time is a gift? It's not a foregone conclusion. One of the greatest gifts God can give you is time. Time for you to repent and time for you to share Jesus with the person next to you. And peace, can you see peace because of this wonderful joy of living in the reality of Christ's second coming? Ah, but it all comes down to this. Peter says this, my friends, all of this is done in very close relationship to Jesus. Man, if you can walk away with realizing that Jesus can be much closer to me than the person sitting next to me, that he talks to me. That the greatest thing I can give myself to when I've got lots of time and when I don't is this awareness like John 15 says, Christ is my vine. I'm linked to him. Whilst I'm living my life, I'm resting. I'm remaining where God has put me in my salvation. Like Peter says, Christian, you can rejoice when you flummox it and when you, when you perfect it. At every season of the soul, you are resting. You're remaining where God has put you. And this vine is for you to draw from. It's constant, frequent, regular contact with the source of life. It's not complicated. It's not rocket science. You talk to him. You learn about his ways. You realize you're enjoying him by grace. Growing the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is ministering to you, not according to your transgressions, but according to his steadfast love and faithfulness. You enjoy when you see your weakness, you accept it, and you say, I want to change, because Christ can cope with it. Oh, and you also enjoy his voice. He speaks to you. You say, how? Well, he'll start speaking to you as you listen. You give yourself to his word. You start to be promptings. There can be urges. There can be these little nudges. But he starts, and it grows. Just like a friend, you, you meet for the first time, and you talk, and you talk, and you talk, and you talk. You begin become more and more fascinated and familiar with this person's ways. They mean more to you because you give them time. This is what it's like with Jesus. Are you enjoying it this morning? He is God's greatest gift to you. And we are to learn His ways. And the only way that we will learn Him is if we are willing 
to make him this person in our lives who is the most important. Everything God wants to give you is found in him. It's not rocket science. And so my last question to you today is, are you in love with him? That's where Peter would want you to land. Second Peter, are you in love with Jesus? Is he fascinating to you? Is he the one that you love to be near? Where is your love for Jesus? Let me tell you, you can recover quickly. I don't want you to feel guilty this morning. I want you to feel inspired. The way is open for you to enjoy him. He's not this moralizing father that says, yeah, you should have known better. He knows. Goodness me, our track record, every Christian knows how gracious he is. But my point is this. You've got a window of enjoying that adventure, what it means to be with Jesus before you go see him face to face. You're going to see him face to face. I can't touch anybody because of COVID, but you're going to touch him. You're going to feel his face. You're going to feel his wounds that's bled for you, died for you. And you're going to worship him. That's what we give ourselves to. Let's pray. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. As they do, I just want to take a second. We're going to sing some amazing songs that are prayers that we hear for Jesus. But this morning, I want to ask you just a simple question. Just a simple question. Is your heart warm to Jesus today? Woo! I think we're all awake now. Is your heart warm to Jesus? As a church, we don't want you to fall in love with anything else. <laughs> Watching Renee and Wendy serve this morning, they are serving you because they love Jesus. That's so right. Watching those chill church workers, their hearts so desperate to see kids come to know Jesus because they love him. That's the essence. That's the fiber of us as a church. That's the essence and joy and fabric of your life. Is to respond moment by moment to this grace to enjoy Christ. Oh, Lord, come wrap our hearts around him this morning. He's here. He's ready. You pick up where you left off if you've been neglecting him, but don't worry. He's kind. He's good. He loves you. And he's not going anywhere. <laughs> Come enjoy him this morning. And ask us to stand. If you don't know Jesus this morning, that's our heart for you. If, if you can say, I don't know this person, Jesus. I know about church and I know about things, but I, if you had to ask me, do I have a relationship with Jesus? No. We want to help you this morning. And... Uh, I want you to respond to Jesus right now. Could I just ask for the Christians, for those that have come to faith in Christ, just to pray for a moment for anybody here in the room who's wrestling a bit with where they're at with Christ. Won't you just join me with faith this morning to pray for them? We're here for you. And we want to invite you to know Jesus. He's what you've been looking for. He's where your meaning's found. Won't you say to him this morning, Jesus, I choose you. I want you. And if that's you for the first time, won't you come and chat to me? 
Um, you can chat to me outside of a cup of coffee or just grab me on the quiet. Um, I'll be around, but I want to help you this morning, but that's the right place where you start today. Okay, let's worship Jesus this morning. What a reason to worship, amen? Come, let's worship him. i 
you have a word or something you want to share that's on your heart, I just want to make that open to you. If you have a testimony you want to share, why don't you come and talk to me?
Testimony for the week as well. It was a bit of a crazy week. Uh, it, was a, it was a good week and a, a bit of a rough week. I had a birthday on Tuesday, which was good. But Wednesday was uh, Wednesday was busy, and Thursday morning somehow decided to uh, throw a couple of curveballs. And um, <clears throat> my wife had to take the car in uh, for something, so she took my car. And I'm sure everyone has had this experience where your wallet was stolen out of a car because of a, a jammer. Not so. In your wallet has your driver's license and your ID book and the cards and maybe, I don't know, 50 bucks or something if you're lucky. I don't even know how much money was in the wallet, but that's irrelevant. But I was busy in theater. No, that was, that was, no, that was Thursday. That was Friday. Thursday night, actually, I got home from worship practice and there was a guy my wife had chased out the front yard so already you, 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 you ruffled she chased him successfully and everything was fine But so Friday morning my, my car was taken and um, uh, the wife had the keys and she went to the shop anyway some guy jammed with a little remote and my wallet's out the car and I'm busy and Friday morning I have no time to go to the police station I've got no time to do anything and Matt was saying in the small things, I thought, okay, Lord, this is a small thing. It's just a wallet. But you're going to the police, going to get a driver's, you know, driver's license, going to find an ID. Time to actually go to the home affairs, which is a few miles long, to get your ID book. I thought, no, Lord, come now. Anyway, so I prayed. It's in the little things. It's in the little things that God honors the prayers. It took an hour. It's on phone. I have your, I have your driver's license and, and your part and your... Uh, ID and stuff. And like, but in, while that hour was happening and I was busy um, in theater, I'm like, Lord, wouldn't that be an awesome testimony for something? 
that God honors the little things, the little prayers. You know, we, we, we're praying for the big prayers. We're praying for, the, for salvation for, for, for our parents, perhaps, who are not saved. We're praying for salvation for the family member that, uh, that doesn't want to listen, doesn't want to open those ears. But how much more is God honoring that in honor of a little can I, can I just jump in quickly? I, I'm, I'm going to take a moment. We're going to close off the service shortly, but I just this last week met with a friend, and God challenged me on this thing of prayer, and it's from Luke chapter 11. Read it, but about the Lord's Prayer. But the very next thing Jesus teaches on prayer, he says he gives a story about a friend, and the circumstances are terrible. He, he, he needs bread. He's got a visitor. He doesn't have food to feed this visitor. So he goes to a friend's house. The friends lock the door. The kids are in the bed. Now, if you put kids down, you know what that's like. Everything's now stable. They're not going to get out and come and open the door to help this friend that needs bread. And Jesus says it's because of this impudence, it's because of this boldness, because of this persistence of saying, I need bread. <laughs> that the need, not the want, is met. And I just feel what John shared this morning is for you. What are you needing from the Lord today? And how bold are you in your willingness to bring that to Him? There's a good thing to trust the Lord and say, okay, Lord, but to ask Him this morning. So I'm going to give one minute, and then I'm going to just ask the, 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 the worship team to close off. And I can't believe, because I just feel that's very important for Easter. But just take one second. What is it that you need to ask God for and say, this is it. It might be small, but I need you to do this. And I want to encourage you to enter into boldness in that prayer. You know, my little boy has a way in the morning saying, Daddy, I want toast, 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 I want toast. I want. By the time he's like, I'll give you the toast, you know. But the point is, it's that impudence, it's that sense of, and, and if that's an unsanctified father, God loves to work through our requests, okay? So just think, just think for moments, and I want you to turn that into prayer. Okay, I'm going to give you just a few seconds. Can we do, I can't believe, and then we'll close off the service. Thanks, guys.
That's what we wanted to proclaim over Easter. This amazing cross that's rescued us. And I pray, Lord, as we go from this place today, we'd remember those names you laid on our hearts. Even if it's the wildest name, don't disregard it. And this morning, God, we praying as a people, our hearts will be overwhelmed with this message that we get to share. We can't believe the price you paid for our salvation, Lord, and we get to share that with others. And so, pilots, with your blessing, we pray. We're thankful for this time together. As we go and enjoy coffee and care, Lord, I pray you'd bless it. Might it be so fruitful for us as a family, but also, Lord, for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.